0: One of Paul's great aspirations in life was to be a drink offering, and his wish came true. And if you play your cards right, it can come true for you, too. Welcome to the Food for Your Soul podcast, where we apply the Word of God to the hearts of men and women to stoke the fires of your delight in Christ. Here's your host, Dr. D. Richard Ferguson. Well, it was a dark time in Israel. The Philistines had pushed deep, deep into Israelite territory, all the way as far east as Bethlehem. They had taken Bethlehem, which really wasn't a very significant town. It was just a little tiny village, but it was significant in that David grew up there. That was his hometown. And now the Philistines have it. Where's David? Where's the mighty David? Well, he's in a cave 15 miles away at Adullam. And we can pick up the story in 2 Samuel 23, verse 14, where David gets thirsty in the cave. Verse 14 says, at that time, David was in the stronghold and the Philistine garrison was at Bethlehem. David longed for water and said, oh, that someone would get me a drink of water from the well near the gate of Bethlehem. So it's, it, the occasion of getting thirsty makes him just start thinking. Maybe he gets to reminiscing about when he was a kid, he's taking care of the sheep, and every time he gets thirsty, he's he go to that well, and that's where he grew up, and he just, ah, he just hates the thought that the enemies of Israel now occupy his hometown. And so he just makes this comment. I don't think he re, it intends for anybody to respond or do anything. He's just sort of wishing out loud, man, I'd love to be drinking from the well of Bethlehem right now instead of sitting in this cave. So he's just sort of wishing out loud. There's a group of men who are there with him who were so loyal to David that his wish literally was their command. It was his mighty men of valor, three of his mighty men of valor. If you haven't read about the mighty men of valor, it's an amazing thing. These are his SEAL Team Six. They were an elite special forces group, 30 men, who just never lost a fight, never failed in a mission. And they were incredibly loyal to David. So they hear David make this comment, and they start walking they start heading towards Jerusalem. Just picture walking 15 miles through really rugged terrain, enemy territory. They're making their way up there. They 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 get there. They're scoping it out. They're looking, hiding in the trees, looking at the guards at the gate, and figuring everything out, and thinking, do we try to sneak in somehow, or just just, just bust through? Just you know. And they choose the latter, <laughs> and they just charge, and, and and they just figure, okay, we'll attack. If we die, we die. And so they go, they attack. There's this huge, furious battle. They they make it through. They bust through the the, the defenses. Then they fight their way down to the well. You know that's going to be the most heavily guarded spot in the town. Um, and they they that's the water source. And they fight their way down there, and then uh, and take that. And so then they're like, okay, guys, here's the plan. Uh, you you draw the water. We'll have your back. We'll just fight off everyone. Well, you get the water. And so he's uh, he's doing it, and, and, and finally he's like, okay, I got the water, uh, we can go. And they're like, um, uh, slight problem. <laughs> we're surrounded now. We're in the middle of the town, and we're totally surrounded by the garrison of Philistines. And One way out, so they it's like, you carry the water, we'll fight. They start swinging their swords, and they fight their way out. They break out, and they make it uh, out of there and disappear into the woods. As soon as they're clear, they know they're clear, they stop, take a little rest, maybe dress some of their wounds so they don't bleed out. I'm sure at this point they're a little thirsty. <laughs> they're not going to, they'll die before they touch this water though. This is for David. And so they find some other water source and they drink. Then they start making their way back to Golden or Adullam. And, uh, they get there. Meanwhile, back at the cave, David's there. He's clueless. He doesn't know what's going on. He's just sitting there and all of a sudden they come in. Where have you guys been? Uh, sir, we've got something for you enjoy and they present this water to David now I remember when I was a kid I always loved this story when I was a kid except for the end I never liked the end of this story this thing that happens next uh, is verse 16 David refused to drink it instead he poured it out before the Lord Far be it from me, O Lord, to do this, he said. Is this not the blood of the men who went to risk their lives? And David would not drink it. And I always read that. I hated that. It's like, just drink it. Enjoy it. You know? Or at least let them drink it. Don't dump in the dirt. What's David thinking here? To understand this, you need to know that when it says David poured it out, the word pour there, it's a very specific, particular word that uh, r- refers to a specific kind of worship prescribed in the Mosaic law known as a drink offering. This is the word for a drink offering. Normally, a drink offering would be wine, two quarts of wine that they'd pour in a sacrifice. It had to be wine because it had to be something of value. This time it's water, but that's... Obviously, this works here because it's of great value. These men risked their lives to get this particular water. And so David uses it to worship God by pouring it out as a drink offering. Now, the idea of a drink offering was you take something that you would have liked to have drunk yourself and you give it to God instead. And the greater the value then of the drink, the greater the gesture of love to God the greater the sacrifice. So David wasn't slighting these men. I guarantee you these men were thrilled with what David did. He was giving them a great honor. Because what, Why did they do what they did? They wanted honor. They wanted the honor of securing for David presenting to David something of great value, uh, giving the king this great gift. That's the honor they wanted. What David gave them instead was a much higher honor. He took what they gave and used it to glorify God and honor God in an act of beautiful worship. And so he was honoring these men. That's what was going on there. It was a drink offering. Now, you might be thinking, okay, that's great, Daryl, great story, but what does that have to do with Philippians? (laughs) I thought we were studying Philippians too. We are. The reason I tell you that whole story is so that that you'll have a little bit of background that will help you understand the meaning of verse 17 when Paul talks about himself as being poured out like a drink offering. I think he's using that here as a euphemism for death. The only other time the word drink offering is used in the New Testament is when Paul used it later in his life when he really was sure that he was about to die. In 2 Timothy 4.6, when he says, I've run the race and I've kept the faith and all that. In verse 6, he says, I'm already being poured out like a drink offering, and the time has come for my departure. So he's referring there, I believe, back to what he said in Philippi. He says, back then it was a maybe, now it's happening. I'm being poured out. It's time for me to die. So I think the, I think it's a metaphor for death, and I think the, uh, a drink offering is an excellent metaphor for describing dying because when a drink offering is poured out, it's gone. Right? There's no there's no leftovers, uh, unlike animal sacrifices. You know, when they offered a bull or a goat or a lamb or something like that, they would they would very often the choice portions would just be burnt up and go to the Lord. Then the rest of it would be eaten by the priests, and in some cases even by the worshipper. Like on Passover, they would eat the, the rest of the sacrifice. Uh, so, but when, when not with the drink offering. When you pour that wine on top of a burning sacrifice, psh, it evaporates and it's gone. No trace of it. A moment later. David dumps that water in the dirt, dries up a few minutes later, psh, no, no, no sign that it was ever even there. I think what Paul's saying here is, even if I'm about to be gone, gone, disappear from the scene, even if this current imprisonment is a process that ends in my head being chopped off. Still, even then, I'm as happy as I can be because of the role I'm playing in your sacrifice. You understand, the, the Philippians dearly loved Paul. They were just very good friends. They really loved him. Were, he's in prison. They're very concerned. You can imagine somebody that's just real close to you, and they get captured. They're in prison. They might die because they're a Christian, and you're all worried and concerned, and they're so they, they're worried. And, and Paul writes and says, Don't worry about me. I'm, I'm as happy as I've ever been. I'm, I'm fine. I see your faith. I have the privilege of adding a little bit to that. That's my boast. That's my whole life. That's all I care about. Don't cry for me while my wildest dreams are coming true. And that's the case even if I just end up being a drink offering, even if I'm to, about to die here. Now, does that mean that any time a Christian dies, it's automatically a drink offering? No, I don't think so. I don't, not in the sense that Paul's talking here. The reason his death would be a drink offering was because he would have been dying as a result of doing ministry. It's like the ministry is what killed him. And that's literally the case with Paul. He would continue to rejoice even if his efforts to make the Philippians ready for judgment day killed him, cost him his life. That's the model that God is giving us here for how we should look at ministry. Ministry is not pitching in with some volunteer help here and there to do your fair share of work around here. That's not the idea of ministry. Ministry is pouring yourself out until you're gone. Think back to the the, the story about David that I told you at the beginning. I just, I told you that whole account just so you could have that picture in your head. Just 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 imagine it. Picture the scene. David, he's there. The men are there. They're looking at him. He's got the water in his hands. he takes it looks up to heaven says I can't drink this God and pours it in the dirt you got it you got it in your mind you picture now think this my life's goal is to be like that water that's what I want to be that water that honors God And and then it's gone if I could just pour my existence out to honor God, then I, even, even after I'm gone, then I'm happy, 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 happy. Your life is like water in the hands of a thirsty king in a cave. Your life is like, like two quarts of fine wine in the hands of an ancient Israelite. This is what your life is. Your life, just think of your life as a big, tall glass of your favorite beverage. And you can keep it for yourself or you can dump it out. If you dump it out, if you make your life a drink offering and you dump it out in ministry as a love offering to God and to his people, that will bring you far greater joy and satisfaction than anything you could do with your own life. Keeping it for yourself. There's a reason we keep our lives for ourselves because we think that'll make me happy. It won't. This has helped me so much this week. Just every time, this image, every time this week when I was getting lazy, you know, I didn't want to do my work and I just didn't, I was going to just flake out or whatever. I would think of this. I'd say, come on, Daryl, dump out your drink. Dump it out. Can you just, just, you want the kind of joy that Paul had? Dump it out. Dump it all out now because there's free refills in heaven. So ask yourself, are you, are you, Pouring yourself out? Are you? I mean, the question for some people is, are you even doing ministry at all? And some people aren't. But 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 assuming you are, are you, in that ministry, are you pouring yourself out as a drink offering? And one way to tell if the answer is yes or no is to ask, what do I do when I run into hardship in that ministry? Grumble? Or rejoice? Complain? Or... Give thanks. When you try to serve in some way in the church, and you get into some ministry, and you run into opposition or criticism, people are putting you down, you run into trouble and difficulty and problems, And what do you do? Do you you grumble or do you rejoice? That will tell you, am I I functioning as a priest here? Am I pouring this out in worship to God? Paul, he just endured terrible suffering. I mean, horrible, unfair treatment, incessantly being mistreated, uh, constantly, without a break. And yet you never hear him say, Oh, why is this happening to me? You know, why am I always the one that has to get beaten and I'm thrown in prison and everything? I quit! You know, you never hear it. The only thing you ever hear from him is just lots of thanksgiving and lots of expressions of joy because the whole purpose of his existence was to pour out his ministry as a drink offering. So suffering wasn't an intrusion to Paul. It was a high privilege. One last point. Paul says not only will he rejoice, but he will rejoice along with the Philippians, and they should rejoice, and they should rejoice along with him. Lots of words in one sentence to describe a mutual joy, which makes sense. Because if Paul is this happy about being a, making a small contribution to the sacrifice of the Philippian church, imagine how happy they could be knowing that they are the sacrifice. I mean, they're the ones offering that, the, the actual lamb. Think of how much we can rejoice here at Agape. Because like the Philippians, we're a church. Right? We're a church. We're a lamb. We're, we're, the, we're the main sacrifice. The people who, like Paul, poured themselves out as a drink offering to make our sacrifice as a church a little bit better, they can rejoice big time, but if they can, just think how much we can rejoice, we're the sacrifice. How much joy is present in a church that has a priestly mentality? And and what doubles that joy again is the fact that you are bo- on both sides of this joy. You as an individual are on both sides of this joy. As an individual, you're like Paul, right? You got the joy of pitching in, helping the, uh, the, the sacrifice be a little sweeter by pouring yourself out as a drink offering. You got that joy. And as a member of the church, you got the joy of the Philippians of being the sacrifice, doing the most important thing in the entire world. So we we rejoice with those who who serves, who serve us, and we rejoice in serving the others, and so for us, we are both, both sides of we are, The Bible says you're a priest and you're a brick in the temple. <laughs> you're a part of the temple and you're a priest serving in the temple. Both. But the more this whole thing just starts to turn into a routine, and Passion sort of cools off, become lackadaisical in our ministries, start cutting corners, and what happens is the whole joy level of the church just just kind of drops. And the lower the joy level gets, the lower the passion level gets. And and so then less joy, and then the whole it's just downward spiral. But it works the other way too. You crank up your passion. And that will increase the joy in your life. And the more the joy comes up, the more passion you'll have, and it an, becomes an upward spiral. And the result is you'll have the kind of joy that runs so deep that you could be beaten, imprisoned, mocked, mistreated, suffer injustice, and killed, and you wouldn't lose your joy. Let me ask you, have you ever had joy that runs that deep? I mean, what else in life, you tell me, what else in life can give you joy that runs that deep? Money? You get money, you're happy. Let's face it, money's great. You're happy, you can spend, and then then your money disappears, what happens to your joy? Gone. There's nothing in this world that can give you this kind of joy, that can can last even in suffering. You pour yourself out in passionate servanthood to serve Christ's church, you'll have this kind of joy. I can promise you, you'll have it. And so then there's no such thing as a loss in ministry. Hudson Taylor and David Livingston both said, I never made a sacrifice, meaning I never suffered a loss. I never gave up anything in ministry, is what they're saying. I never gave up anything. Both men gave up every comfort. They both gave up all kinds of stuff. They both suffered horribly. but, But it felt to them like they never gave up anything because what they got in return is joy that was beyond anything they could have experienced any other way. And so like, I just, all I did was gain. I never gave up anything. Or to adjust Jim Elliott's words just a little bit. It's not a sacrifice. It's not a loss to give up what you cannot keep in order to gain what you cannot lose. Let's pray. Thank you, Father, for these promises, for giving us a pathway of worship where instead of requiring us to give up things and it be just loss... You just call us to something that would be nothing but gain. You don't ever call us to do anything that wouldn't be good for us, wouldn't be the best for us. You call us to that which brings deep joy. But it's hard for us to see it, Lord. We, we, get, we, get, we get our eyes on this world and we see the little tantalizing pleasures of this world and this life and we lose sight of what's really real. Help us, Lord. Help our perspective. Fill us up with zeal, for serving you let us see the importance of what we're doing here and we pray for your blessing on this church we we ask all this in the name of the lord jesus christ christ who died to purchase this for us god never calls you to suffer loss which means everything you ever do in obedience to god is ultimately good for you as you go through the day today Try to pay attention to the things you do because you know the Lord wants you to do them. And think about how those things are good for you. Ways they profit you spiritually. Father, you are not unjust. You will not forget my work and the love I have shown you as I have helped your people and continue to help them. Help me and my family And my friends, to show this same diligence to the very end in order to make our hope sure. Don't let us become lazy, but to imitate those who through faith and patience inherit what has been promised. Thank you for listening. If you found today's episode edifying, why not share it with a friend? This season of the Food for Your Soul podcast features excerpts from our sermon series on the book of Philippians, 50 expository sermons covering every verse. You can find those and hundreds of other sermons for free download on drichardferguson.com. Until next time, rejoice in the Lord always and set your mind on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God.